It's Friday, January 10th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Days after a deadly plane crash in Iran, questions remain over what exactly went wrong. Iran says there was a technical difficulty, but the U.S. and other countries say... We do believe that it's likely that that plane was shot down by an Iranian missile. Then we check in on Puerto Rico, which has suffered devastating earthquakes. And finally, we say congrats to the NASA astronaut class of 2020. Oh, the places they'll go. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by ESPN. Tune in to the college football playoff national championship game between number one LSU and number three Clemson on January 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on ESPN. The most complicated story today is about a deadly plane crash earlier this week in Iran. Days later, even basic questions about what happened remain unanswered. When planes crash, it can sometimes take a long time to figure out what exactly went wrong. But the confusion over this plane crash in Iran is on a totally different level. And that confusion is creating another diplomatic crisis in an already tense part of the world. So today we're going to get into what we do and don't know about the plane crash this week in Iran and why the investigation around it has become such a point of contention. The plane that crashed early morning Wednesday was Ukrainian International Airlines Flight 752. Flight 752 usually takes off from Tehran's airport before sunrise. After rolling down the runway, it heads northwest before crossing out of Iran and into the skies over Turkey. It's almost a four-hour-long flight. And about halfway through, passengers might see the sun streaming through the windows on the right side of the plane as it crosses the Black Sea and turns north towards Ukraine. On this particular flight, there were 176 passengers and crew on board, including a number of students and faculty from Canada returning home after winter break. But on Wednesday, Flight 752 went horribly wrong. According to a video clip analyzed and verified by major news outlets, just moments after takeoff, the plane appeared to be hit by a missile. But the plane didn't blow up. In fact, it appears to have kept flying after catching fire as more people on the ground filmed it, trying to circle back toward the airport. Instead, after a few minutes, it crashed, engulfed in flames. No one on board survived. Over the last day or so, officials in several countries have added credibility to media reports that the plane had likely been hit by a missile. Here was Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau yesterday. Among the victims of the crash were 138 people en route to Canada. The uh, intelligence and evidence uh, suggests that it is uh, likely that it was a surface-to-air strike, but I will not go into the details of that intelligence at this time. U.S. officials like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo are making similar claims. We do believe that it's likely that that plane was shot down by an Iranian missile. Ukraine's prime minister said he can't rule out the assertion that missiles caused the crash, though he's asked the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. to share whatever intel they might have. To be clear, these countries are not saying Iran intentionally shot down the plane. Instead, the thinking seems to be that this might have been an accident. That's because just hours before the crash, Iran did fire missiles at military bases in Iraq where U.S. troops are stationed. Those attacks were reportedly Iran's way of retaliating after the U.S. assassinated a top Iranian general last week. So it's possible that that morning, Iran's military was already on edge. But Iran's saying, we didn't have anything to do with the plane crash. Instead, 
Iran's government is claiming that the plane had a mechanical failure. Iranian officials have said that these countries are spreading lies or waging psychological warfare by blaming Iran for something it claims it didn't do. Normally, after crashes like this, there's some kind of formal international investigation. But there are two big problems that are making this one hard to get going. The first is that these investigations typically involve the country where a plane crashed and the country where the airplane was built. In this case, that would mean Iran, which is leading the investigation, and the U.S., since the plane was built by the American company Boeing. The U.S. and Iran, as you may recall, are currently on the outs, so things could get tricky here. The second issue involves the so-called black boxes from the plane, the devices that record flight data and conversations between the pilots. The information on them could hold some answers. Right before taping today's episode, Ukrainian officials told CNN that they had seen the black boxes, but not the info on them. Iran says it's willing to let other countries see them, but only after they try to analyze them themselves. Whatever that means. And there may be a good reason Iran doesn't want others too involved just yet. If the evidence from the crash shows that Iran accidentally shot down a passenger jet that departs the capital at the same time each day, it could raise embarrassing questions about the professionalism of Iran's military. In the meantime, CBS reports that Iran's been cleaning up debris at the crash site and leaving the area unguarded, which has led some experts to predict that a proper crash investigation might not be possible. So what's the skim? Countries typically come together to investigate plane crashes. Since everyone flies in the same planes, figuring out what went wrong is typically in everyone's best interest. But the aftermath of this week's plane crash isn't following the usual script. It's playing out against a backdrop of high U.S.-Iran tensions and reports that Iran may have actually shot down the passenger plane with a missile. And after accusations that Iran could be covering up evidence from the crash site, Figuring out what exactly happened here could end up taking a really long time. Coming up, how the people of Puerto Rico are coping after a week of earthquakes and all-too-familiar power outages. That's next. You've kicked off the new year. Now get ready for kickoff. It's time for the college football playoff national championship game on ESPN. Only two teams remain. On January 13th, number one LSU will face off against number three Clemson in the championship game. Fun fact, both teams are the Tigers. You don't want to miss it. So get out your guac recipe and gather your friends. Then tune into the college football playoff national championship game on January 13th. Only on ESPN. Puerto Rico hasn't had the steadiest start to the year. Not even a week into 2020, the island was hit by almost a thousand earthquakes, both big and small, including two huge ones, a 5.8 quake on Monday, followed by a 6.4 quake on Tuesday. There's hundreds of people sleeping in shelters, streets, cars. They're terrified of another strong earthquake. To be clear, earthquakes are kind of common in Puerto Rico. The island sits right between the North American and Caribbean tectonic plates putting them at risk for earthquakes caused by friction between the plates. But the big ones this week and their aftershocks have been devastating. Some houses collapsed, schools were damaged, and most of the island has been without power. And residents have been sleeping outside or moving away from the coasts, afraid more earthquakes could topple buildings or even cause a tsunami. And it doesn't help that the island is still recovering from Hurricane Maria, the Category 4 storm that hit Puerto Rico back in 2017. 
Hurricane Maria slamming into the island, and as you heard, one official saying the island is destroyed. Officials there predict entire towns will have to be rebuilt. It's estimated that Hurricane Maria killed thousands of people on the island. It destroyed homes and took out the island's power grid. Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, so Congress set aside almost $20 billion in disaster relief funds. But now, more than two years after Hurricane Maria hit the island, Puerto Rico is still waiting to get the majority of that funding. And even though Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens, they can't vote in federal elections. So it's not like they can use their power at the ballot box to call attention to their concerns. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is pointing her finger at the White House. Here she was during her weekly press conference yesterday. The ongoing withholding of funds appropriated by Congress to Puerto Rico is illegal, and we call upon the administration to cease and desist that illegal activity. On Tuesday, President Trump agreed to send Puerto Rico some federal aid to help with the recovery after the earthquakes, to the tune of $5 million, as reported by The Washington Post. But what's happening with the other billions of dollars the island has been promised is still TBD. Fortunately, power is expected to be almost fully restored across the island this weekend. But even as the power comes back, many residents have chosen to stay in shelters for fear of future aftershocks and the fact that they might not have homes to go back to. If you want to help those affected by the earthquakes, we've included a link in our show notes. If you saw a lot of new tech gadgets in your feed this week, it could have been because of the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. It's when all of the tech companies and entrepreneurs meet up in Las Vegas to show off their latest products and software. And some of it is kind of cool. We're talking foldable laptop screens, a rotating TV screen made especially for those vertical videos, a half-bike, half-plane hybrid. But this year, the big products making headlines are sex toys. See, at last year's CES, a panel of industry expert judges gave a prestigious innovation award to a robotic, hands-free, personal massager for women. But then, CES organizers rescinded the award, which they said they can do for products they think are, quote, immoral, obscene, indecent, profane, or simply not in keeping with their image. And the hands-free robotic sex toy for ladies apparently didn't pass that bar. But the woman who founded the sex toy company fought back with an open letter defending her product's innovative robotics, biomimicry, and engineering feats. And she won. The award was reinstated, and at this year's CES, new sex toys for women are now on full display. For more on the latest gadgets you might want to get your hands on, you can follow at CES on Twitter. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from NASA's Johnson Space Center. Where today was graduation day. After two years of basic training, 13 graduates are being added to the roster of active duty astronauts. They represent the best of humanity and our most fervent hopes for the future. <laughs> no pressure. That's NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine. He said these six women and seven men might get to walk on the moon by 2024. More than that, this group of astronauts could one day become the first people to walk on Mars. So to infinity and beyond, congratulations to the class of 2020. You did it.
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening this week, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And we have a surprise for you. If you scroll back one episode in your feed, you'll find a special report from us about the big royal drama of the week, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's announcement that they are stepping back as senior members of the British royal family. It's available to download now. Happy listening! Happy listening!